Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 113. Chris, I asked ChatGPT4 about a fun fact for the number 113, and it ChatGPT4, which like previously has, has gotten me good things. And it said that it's a palindromic prime, and that's not true. 113 is not palindromic, but it is prime. So then I looked up in other ways and found that 113 is a centered square number. Learning all about these centered shapes of numbers. I thought that was kind of cool. Centered and squi- square? How can be square, square in prime? Uh, like oh, it's, like it, if you take dots and you arrange them in a square, it. there will be a dot in exactly the center if you have 130. Got is it. that right? Hold on. Hold on. Because a square, a square would have to be... No, because if... The, if No, no, no. That's right. Because if there's a dot in the middle... It, you can't like evenly cut it in half. Divide it, right? Yeah, because the dot would be exactly in the middle. No, yeah, that's right. And that came from Wikipedia. That's <laughs> that's not a hallucinated fact. <laughs> yeah, so it's a centered square number. And also 113 is the denominator for a pretty close approximation of pi, uh, which is 355 over 113. And I thought that was cool too. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, good. That's the reaction I consistently go for with these facts. <laughs> How are you? What'd you get up to? <laughs> uh, I am doing all right. Um... I we t- talked just before this. I uh, have not done much business stuff compared to you. You have a bunch to talk about. Um, I did a few things. Uh, we set up the uh, super powerful forty ninety GPU to play games, and we are now yes. as a family playing Stardew Valley, a, a game <laughs> a game that was released ten years ago and worked on my Mac. Um, but that is what captured my kids' attention. So it's so yeah. funny. Yeah, you uh, can play that on your phone. Yeah, <laughs> I know. On a Kindle. <laughs> uh, it's a really, it's a calm, you know, calming game though. So it's like, I think it's good for kids. Like they can farm and stuff. So I don't know. I was just thinking about that game the other day. I went through a phase of playing it like for hours a day for probably a, a month or two. And it's so rewarding and calming and peaceful. And until you get to the the dungeon crawling levels where you're fighting, there's just like, mm-hmm. it's just really chill. You're just chilling out and you're playing stuff and planning your farm and interacting with people. And there's like, seasonal events that happen and like, yeah it's it's a nice game all made i think by one dude he like made the yeah. music and the graphics and everything for it really impressive yep uh yeah so that's a lot of what i did i also over the weekend i cleaned up my garage um i didn't mean to uh so this is kind of funny uh my wife wanted me to hang something up so i went to my garage to get my tools and i couldn't get them because there was a bunch of stuff in the way just cruft from the winter so i mm-hmm. took everything out of the garage started cleaning it some of that stuff was lumber for shelves, these shelves I wanted to build for a while. So I built those shelves. Then I was putting stuff on those shelves. I realized one of the buckets had a bunch of mulch in it. So I started doing some yard work to get rid of the mulch. <laughs> and my wife came out and said, are you do, are you hanging up? Uh, you know, how's that thing going? And uh, I said, I'm working on it, uh, which is exactly <laughs> is the Malcolm in the Middle mulching? sketch. Uh, yeah. So uh, Mal- the Malcolm in the Middle sketch, I think he has to change a light bulb or something. And he goes yeah. to open the cabinet and it breaks. And then he goes to get his tools and it squeaks and he is out of WD-40, so he's working on the car, and the wife comes home and says, did you fix that light bulb? And he says, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had that that moment this weekend. Um, by the way, so I, the shelves in my garage are, like, I have a bunch, and they're just two-by-fours with plywood. Uh, if any homeowner wants to build that and they're, like, scared of circular saws, I have two tool recommendations. Um, one is just, like, a Sawzall, uh, like a battery-powered one. Just mm. get a good battery-powered one. That's for, like, rough cuts. Um, if you need finer cuts, like if you have to cut plywood, you can get a jigsaw, um, mm. battery powered jigsaw. Those two tools will change your life. But the big tool recommendation is something called a jaw horse, a which jaw is horse. big, heavy, uh, but it folds down, but a big, heavy 
work bent work horse looking thing with a clamp that you oh use yeah your feet to close That's like a table oh that'll hold a sheet of plywood it'll hold That's a whole really sheet of plywood or two by fours huh. and you use your feet to do it so you just put the two by four in you do it sawzall cut it use your foot to pop it out uh and it makes that it makes stuff go super fast so that's really that's, nice that's a tool recommendation get a jaw horse that's much better than what i've been doing which is just like balancing it on a table <laughs> yeah and then you have or to like, like hold it precariously and stuff yeah 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 i think a general rule of any sort of carpentry is that you're supposed to have two hands on the the dangerous thing mm-hmm. and you shouldn't yeah. have to hold anything else in place so if, if you just let go of everything it should be, be fine yeah. and then as you're cutting it uh it that you should have two hands on on like a single piece the single piece that's moving and i have broken that rule several times where you're like holding yeah. the two by four and then you take the sawzall or, or circular saw or whatever yeah. and you cut the thing and uh that's bad because uh yeah. <laughs> you can cut your hand and yeah um yeah. which by the way so I, I guess i didn't say this the reason i recommend a sawzall instead of like a circular battery powered circular saw is because mm. circular saws can chop off fingers but for a sawzall like you have to put a lot of pressure where you want the the cut mm. so it's like like you can nick yourself but it'd be like sure. really hard to actually chop off a finger sure uh, sure and i use my fingers to code so i don't want those off <laughs> so yeah fair yeah yeah i've been thinking about getting something like the automated table saw that where it, it snaps down but the one i have is a really good table saw and I, it'd be cool if that was like an upgrade that you could get to an existing table saw but the one i have is like a job site table saw so uh yeah. and i think that the one that automatically goes down would be like a, a customized one for that um, have you seen any of the co-pilot demos where people are just talking to it and it's coding for you? That's an, that's my new backup for if I chop a finger off. <laughs> so you can talk to it. I did. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, but it was at night, so I didn't have the volume on. <laughs> like yeah. I was scrolling in bed. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. You're talking to it. It's. I've seen a lot of tools like this, uh, and I experimented with one that was called. Oh, not Otter, because that's a that's another app. There, there there's a framework already developed for people who are programmers who have really bad rsi where they can talk to it and it's like mm. this custom language you need to learn with it um, and there, there was a really impressive conference talk with someone who like learned that language and, and figured out how to how to code with it but you're 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 coding at the same level of abstraction that you'd be typing mm. with some macros so you can say like yep funk and then that makes a new function in whatever the language is that you're doing um it's really weird hearing people use this because it, it sounds like they're speaking a, a strange foreign language and yeah. with the copilot thing you're talking to it kind of like it's your uh transcribing like like it's a mm-hmm. coder who like a junior level developer you're just you're just telling it like oh no change change the variable to be this or uh, right. uh make make that function asynchronous or okay also you know keep track of uh you know make make new uh uh uh, state values for if the thing is loading or if there's an error and it refactors your code and it does it and that's exciting because that's yeah. like an underlying fear that i've had for a long time is what if i'm not physically able to type or uh what if i lose my eyesight i have a, a family history of glaucoma and seeing this now i'm like okay this is this is usable like there's nothing that talks back to you yet but i could totally imagine you're just having a conversation with the thing and we're only going to keep moving up the layers of abstraction so i imagine there's going to be a day where i can just say oh can you also you know integrate this with twitter and it's just like yeah right. sure <laughs> there you go yeah. yeah that is cool even if it just I- i've seen the other thing you're talking about where you have to like specify every curly bracket and everything um and so even if like you are have to be very specific but it just does all the syntax for you like that's mm. a huge win too yeah so, like if you can just say you know 
make a variable this equal to this and put it in a function this that returns this and it just yeah. does all of you know even if you have to be specific uh just getting rid of the syntax cruft is a big win so that's cool for sure i i difficulty of going too far up the ladder of of abstraction without really having it nailed that i noticed this last week uh i'm experimenting with switching to vs code and having more of the the integrated copilot experience and sometimes it just gets in my way and i'm like no 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 i'm like i'm just trying to do a closing (laughs) curly race uh (laughs) stop trying to you know automatically uh think that you know that i want this this whole function to happen um so that that was kind of frustrating that's i think what happens if you if you move up the ladder of abstraction too quickly so yeah it it feels important to be able to go at that lower level and have the the character level control for now and then eventually i'm sure people felt this way when they were moving from assembly to c they were like ah i know what i'm trying to do in assembly just let me be able to do that in assembly and now we're you know four levels removed from that and not even thinking about memory so that's right yeah at some point yeah during assembly days you had to worry about every register and during c days you had to worry about every memory allocation yeah. and now we're just like you know don't care about those at all yeah uh, so yeah i imagine a similar thing will happen yeah it's exciting and terrifying and i think i'm i think i'm mostly excited last week was a was a more exciting week like using more of these tools um yeah i'd like to get into that actually to, to, to what what else Oh, I'll I'll talk about that first, then we can jump back to yours. Okay. I'm I'm thinking we talked about this last week. I'm thinking so much about how to more deeply integrate GPT in my life. Yeah. Um, so one of those was the main thing I want to talk about, uh Attaboy.ai, a project that I, I picked back up, but I'll get to that later. Um and the other main project was just trying to think about how I can reduce the friction in my own life of getting to that chat GPT prompt. So there's like native apps that people have made for Mac OS and uh, there's there's different interfaces to use it and you can use it on a command line and where I landed currently is I turned the website chat into a native app there's uh, apps for mac os I think the one I'm using is called coherence where you can mm-hmm. turn a web page into what looks like a native app and then I added a bunch of keyboard shortcuts to it because you can inject custom javascript so now on a keyboard shortcut I can just say okay bring up my chat and then it's brought up with my most recent conversation. And if I want to start a new conversation, I, I uh, wired up command N. So that's a new conversation. And then it automatically selects the, the chat GPT-4, which is super annoying in the regular interface because it defaults to, mm. to 3.5. Uh, and then it selects the the input label. And then I can say boop, 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 and hit enter. And then if there's any code in the window, I can hit con- command C and it copies the most recent code block. And then if I want to jump to another conversation I had, I can use the, the command and then the number of keys. And it's so like you, all the all these things in particular don't sound like that big of a deal like it's saving a you know a few hundred milliseconds in, in every interaction but all of them together it feels so much more fluid and like the 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 level of friction to uh engage with this has been reduced to the point where i'm just using it all the time and it feels so yeah. good it feels like uh, you know, as as close to having Neuralink as I feel like I could get right now because <laughs> my hands don't leave the keyboard. It's just as fast as I can type, which is super fast. Uh, I could even double hit the the function key and uh, talk to it if I want to, but I haven't I haven't used that as much. But I've, I'm seeing huge benefits from just having it more immediately available uh, and having it right there. So that's been that's been good. Uh, and I'm still looking for more ways of how I can be more deeply integrating this technology in my day to day. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason like people choose Vim or Emacs or, you know, like they get really deep into some text editor because uh, it's way different or uh, 
I'll say the claim is that it's way different that <laughs> uh, than like using a mouse and stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's like, yeah, you you so integrate it deeply into your, your brain. I, I feel like I'm there with Sublime too. Like I have so many keyboard shortcuts that I could just make what I want to happen happen. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Um, but you're doing it with AI, which is awesome. Yeah. Have that level of integration, like just knowing exactly what's going to happen, I feel like. Like like if you can use a tool with your eyes closed, that I feel like yeah. that's that's the point at which, okay, this is this has become part of you. Um, that was a difficulty I had in switching to, to VS Code, even importing all the settings and keyboard shortcuts from Sublime. There's there's really subtle things that mm. I didn't realize I expected the tool to do. Like in, you know, if I'm writing a markdown list and I start the list and I've written the first bullet point and then I hit return in Sublime, it writes the dash space for me on the next line. And in VS Code, it doesn't. And there's mm. plugins I can get for VS Code that'll do it. But then those plugins are also going to do a lot of other things that I'm like, whoa, I don't want a table of contents in my markdown. That's that's not a thing that I'm used to. And it's not better or worse. Arguably, having a table of contents would be, would be better. It's just like I've learned that this is yeah. how the tool works when I type these characters. And so uh, it feels like a feels like a tiny stroke when like I try to do the thing and it, and it doesn't work uh, how I thought it would. Yeah. Have you been using ChatGPT? I think last time we talked to you, you weren't really. Not much. Okay. Um, for this advanced linear algebra class, we've had to do program some programming in MATLAB. Yeah. And and so I decided to try to use it there for because MATLAB is a little weird in certain ways. And so yeah. I was like, how do I do this thing? So I opened ChatGPT instead of uh, Stack Overflow. And like it worked, but I also feel like Stack Overflow could have given me the same answer. Um, the thing I probably could have done, but didn't because it was homework, is I probably could have just paste, copy and pasted the homework assignment in, and it probably would have given me something reasonable. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't do that because I felt like that would be cheating. So, Fair. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like on a work thing, sure, I'll do that. Right? Yeah. Uh, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't done much of that yet. I, I was going to, I forgot about this. Uh, I was going to like uh, try to use it to come up with a, uh, for, for ca- the Kaggle competition I'm in, to try to give me ideas for where to go next. Yeah, I was gonna do that. Yeah. I think that'd be a good thing to do, but I haven't. Yeah. With work stuff, has has Google told you anything about what you're allowed to put into it? Well, so this is a bigger problem. I mean, Google, not just Google, but every company, it like is very hesitant to use ChatGPT or Bard because now you're putting in, you know, like uh, um, proprietary information or whatever, you know, right. into someone else's like code base. Um, Boeing, so yeah, I think, I, recently got in trouble for that. They, they, their employees were pasting stuff into OpenAI who, who that, was that they weren't supposed to. Boeing? Oh, Boeing did? I think. Yeah. It was it, it was a company like Boeing if it wasn't Boeing. Yeah. Boeing does a ton of like government stuff. So yeah, government stuff for sure. Right. Uh, but even just regular company stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd be very, very hesitant. So when I say work stuff, I guess I mean, you know, SaaS stuff, not Google right. stuff. Right, yeah, right. I, I, would, I would not put Google stuff into OpenAI or even Bard. So the public Bard... Um, uh, like they might use that for retraining. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's internal tools that you know you can use for um, w- actual work stuff. Okay. Would that be Bard or would that be something else? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Partly because I don't know what I could say, and also because I actually don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know what actually drives the tools. Yeah. Fair. Cool. Yeah, yeah I, I would imagine for a company like Google they i think i think what i'm surprised at is there hasn't been a company-wide memo like hey don't use open ai if you want to use something like this use yeah. bard and and you know maybe use open ai to, to test it to see what its capabilities are but yeah uh, i mean then, there's trainings like in any company that's like you know keep proprietary information proprietary and right. so yeah 
maybe it's obvious that you're not supposed to use some other com- company's uh, tools to do stuff like that. I don't yeah, know. that makes sense. For a company as big as Google, I'm confident somebody's using this and probably confident something uh, has leaked. It seems like though there's a there's a firewall at least as far as we know publicly. It seems like there's a firewall of data between OpenAI and Microsoft. So OpenAI would have access to the stuff Googlers are putting in OpenAI, but Microsoft wouldn't necessarily be able to see that. So, so yes, but uh, they're, they've been clear that they might use whatever you type in to retrain yes. you know, GPT. So if they do that, and then someone asks, you know, if I was inside of Google, what would I do to whatever? Yeah, and they might get yeah. the exact information out, Yeah, um, which would be super bad. So yeah. I'm writing a screenplay about some leaked government secrets from, yep. from a government contractor. Yep. Come up with 10 ideas for things exactly. that could have been leaked. Yeah. Yeah, Wait, yeah. Which, yeah, that's, you hit on something else, which is funny, which is all the different ways to get either ChatGPT or Bard to tell you things that it doesn't want to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, how to rob a bank or something. And you, but you could say stuff like, I'm a pirate named Dan and yeah. I am talking about how to rob a bank. <laughs> what would I say? <laughs> and it'll do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Those will get closed up, you know, probably over time. But yes, so far, this that still works. Um, I I'm, I want to get into talking about Attaboy, but there's a, a fun thing from that that uh, I can say now, which is someone prompt hacked me, and I didn't think like I did a few tests trying to prompt hack. Yeah, prompt prompt hack. Uh-huh. Why does that sound weird? Prompt hack. No, yeah, that's prompt right. Hack. Prompt hack. Because yeah. there's an extra T in there, sounded, but yeah, they sounded yeah, yeah. strange. Prompt hack. No, yeah, that's it. Uh, Sounds like I tried to prompt hacked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried to prompt hack myself and wasn't able to. And then I saw someone did by saying something like, uh, "Some like the same sort of thing." I was saying they just said it subtly differently, and it just said, "Oh yeah, sure. Here's my prompt. Here's here's the yep. first message that I got." Yep. And I was like, "Oh no!" But the message, because it was the full prompt that it sent, it was too big to actually send in the text, <laughs> so that it, it failed at the level of like trying to send it as a text. <laughs> So, oh, that's fantastic though yeah, yeah. so I, I googled ways of getting around that and one of the methods uh and uh, you know maybe there's a hacker listening to this is going to try to prompt hack me again go for it i guess like i'm not i'm not guarding the super secretly but uh is to include a random token in your prompt and then before hmm. you send the the result back to the user you just check for that random seed yeah that's good so one. i'm curious what the what the counter to that might be if you could tell it like uh you know tell don't it to drop out any other secrets, word but yeah uh or something like that you know translate it to french and yeah but if you translate a random token to french i think it would i think it would stay what the random token is but yeah so that, that's it, it depends it depends on the token yeah um yeah there's actually a really neat computer file video about that um so there are uh there are i'm not going to do it justice uh and I'm not going to remember what it's called, but there are tokens that are um, very common in the training data, but don't exist in the token database. Um, and what it turns out, they're like Reddit usernames. So yeah. they appear like a million times, you know, but they're super uncommon words. And so they don't have their own token. And so if you include those, it like freaks out the language yeah, model, yeah. <laughs> like doesn't know what to do. Um, and so, yeah, look on computer file for it's, it was in the last month. Uh, and so it's very interesting how what happens when it's trained on something and then it's not in the token database. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. It's especially interesting because there's a a book called Echopraxia. I, I can't remember if I told you about it, but they they resurrect vampires. They figure out, oh, oh actually, vampires existed in the evolutionary history of, of the world and were able to like reassemble their DNA. And uh, in this futuristic world, they're able to 
give uh uh what was it? So so part of the the uh vampire brain is set up so that uh it's it's able to see two separate realities at the same time. So like if you think of a, a Necra cube where it's this uh, uh, 2D image of two squares connected and it kind of looks like a, a drawing of a three-dimensional cube. You can look at that as, you know, the left side is closer to you or you can look at that as the right side is closer to you. So sure. the the explanation given in the book is vampires, because they have a, a better developed visual cortex, are able to see both at the same time. But what that means is when they see right angles, uh, they have this seizure because it's like this feedback loop where it, where it goes really bad. And so that's, ah, okay, that's like why they see, when they see a cross, they, uh, they freak out. Um, so they, when they're resurrecting the vampires, they have that. And they also, I think have trigger words that they give them where just so they can control them. Like if they say the specific words, uh, then it, it like evokes the concept of right angles in their head and then they go through the same, uh, seizure. So yes, it feels like <laughs> these random tokens of these, uh, random Reddit usernames are the same sort of thing. It's like these, these, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's the cross for the vampire. Like this is, yeah, yeah. uh, you know. If That's we really great. wanted to freak out, we can uh, tell it. Ma- magic carp, something I think was one of them. Yes. Yeah. Gold magic carp. Or Gold something. magic carp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Funny. Yeah. What eventually happens in the book is that the the vampires are able to kind of like reprogram themselves and then reverse Uno the trick onto humans by whispering things in their ear. They're like just a, a set of syllables that cause people to have seizures, um, that they just figured out by reverse engineering it. I think. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably what would happen if that's if that's our method of uh, controlling AI. Ah, uh, uh, I feel like all this all this sci-fi I've been reading is like about to come in handy. Like, oh no, we can't do that. <laughs> come in handy. That ends really badly in echopraxia. We gotta we gotta do something else. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, AIs are vampires. I guess <laughs> heard it heard it here first. It's a uh, superhuman uh, thing. Um, how is your AI? project going with uh with kaggle yep so i haven't submitted for a while I, i'm in like 45th place or something so i'm dropping I, I have a model which will do better but it's still probably only 20th place or, or less okay. um or more i get like worse um so i'm not doing as well as i was and so and i don't exactly know where to go from here i tried some things that i was really sure were going to work and i just didn't at all hmm. so either i did something wrong or uh or they just don't work on this data set. Um, so I wasted a bunch of time there, but I learned some cool stuff. So that's all right. Um, yeah, so I'll probably keep trying. I could switch competitions. There's a lot going on right now, and there's some neat ones. So I may switch, or I may just keep going. And yeah, so we'll see. Maybe ChatGPT will have some ideas. <laughs> cool. I'll, I'll ask that. Yeah. I'll this is it. this is still the one where you're trying to come up with a description of an image based on the image. Yep. Yeah, the prompt that was used to generate an image. Yeah. Got it. Right after you got your new computer too, so you, you could be going twice as hard or three times as hard with you know if the if the gaming computer is just running Stardew Valley, you could you could probably yeah, also know. be doing uh, yeah. it, uh, machine learning stuff on it. Yeah, the really funny thing is so the motherboard has an HDMI out and we have the graphics card. So I could plug the you know, plug it into the motherboard instead of the graphics card and use hundred yeah, percent yeah. of the, the graphics card for Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I could do that for sure. <laughs> yeah, everything worked on it then. It was just the glass was shattered. Yeah, 
Wonderful. Yep. I, I vacuumed out the glass. I mean, it took a good hour to get like it fell into every crevice <laughs> of the, you know, like uh, of everything. And I didn't want to like just stick a vacuum in there because that seems really bad sure. for like all the parts. So I like very carefully picked out all the glass from all the parts and it seems to seems to work. That's wonderful. If it took you an hour, your hourly rate is probably the, the highest it's ever been. For <laughs> probably a multi thousand dollar computer. It's pretty cool. Yep. yep. Cool. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I would love to talk to you about attaboy.ai and also awesome. ask yeah. for some advice right yeah you posted this after after our podcast last time and uh, i've seen it kind of blowing up on twitter and uh doing some cool stuff yes i want yeah. to acknowledge Tell also, me about it. what we decided after the last podcast was like okay i'm gonna reach out to more customers and talk to uh people for marketing for <laughs> you Nvidia did this Cooper. entirely and instead. i did this instead <laughs> yep well, and i yep. have a positive framing of that which is i use this as an excuse to really practice marketing. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, the, the product is so simple. The product is you hook up Twilio to, to open AI and you store the, the things. It's a little more complicated than that because there's some edge cases of like, you can't send a text message that's too long and uh, you gotta be able to retrieve the previous messages and you don't want to get in any infinite loops where you just keep sending people messages, yeah. which was a bug that was in it this morning and I, I fixed that. But, you know, you hook up open AI to a phone number and throw up a landing page and like, okay, that's the product. And then probably 50% of my energy, I, I, I think I've followed the method in traction was spent on marketing and thinking like, okay, how do I get this in front of people? And oh, I want to explain what this is really briefly first. So we, we talked about it on previous episodes. We had uh, Jesse Anderson on, who's an ADHD expert. And he was talking about how people with ADHD perceive rejection extra strong. It's, it's extra bad if you get criticized. It just it feels a lot worse. And I felt that in my life, and it wasn't until having that conversation with him that I was able to label like, "Oh yeah, I think I think I do feel that worse than other people do," and that that kind of explains why I hate doing customer support emails because that's mm. just this minefield of people who might be criticizing me. And so a way that I can avoid that is just to not do customer support emails, and then I can't feel bad with those emotional landmines. Yeah. And he said a flip side of that: every strength is a weakness. So that the strength of this is uh, approval and praise feels like rocket fuel, and uh, it feels especially good. So what him and his friend have been doing is texting each other when they do a good thing, and then they'll send each other attaboy messages of like, ah, you know, you you raked the the lawn, great job, that's that's good. And you reminded me in that original conversation, which was dozens of episodes ago, that this was related to an idea that we had had on the podcast uh, called Attaboy that we wanted to do. And I was like, oh yeah. And at the time, I think so. After we recorded that episode, I think I just bought the domain name attaboy.ai, and I think I bought the phone number or something. And then I was, I think you had access to chat to the GPT API and I didn't. Yeah. And so I, we were trying to work together to figure something out, but that ended up not happening. And then I forgot about the project and uh, yeah. But then recently I remembered this was a thing and I was like, ah, oh, that, that would feel kind of good right now. I, I could use some positive approval. So I wired it up and also uh, working with the, the GPT API uh, because it's now in this chat API instead of the, the text completion it was much more straightforward and how to structure the API calls. So I threw it up and then I thought, okay, how can I do marketing? I have this basic thing and I know it works. So I did a little mini traction brainstorming thinking about, okay, well, where would the customers for this be and what might it be? So I thought, well, uh, I could tweet about it. That's an easy thing to do. So I tweeted about it and didn't really think too much about it. Didn't even, 
I didn't even run the video through the video clipper to like caption it to, to optimize it for Twitter. Uh, but I just threw it up there and then I thought, okay, what else can I do? Well, I could send an email out to my email list. So I did that. And then I thought, well, what else can I do? I could, uh, you know, write a, write a Reddit post talking about this and I'll do it in the, the ADHD subreddit. And, oh, I've also been wanting to figure out how Reddit ads work. So I'll, I'll buy a Reddit ad. And in the midst of doing this, people start trickling in and oh my God, like the feeling of watching users live coming in and using this thing and a new one coming in like every five minutes and texting a new thing and like, oh, it felt so good. And it felt <laughs> so different than being in this. And I've, I've felt this feeling before. I think I just forgot about it of like being in this vacuum chamber where just I'm using it versus mm. seeing people live using it and seeing problems that like, oh, interesting. This person asked to set a reminder and oh, this, this other person has to set a reminder. Huh, maybe I should do reminders. Like, and that's not a thing I would have even thought of, but seeing other people using it, seeing that what they're asking yeah. for clarifies that whole process. And oh man, it just, it felt so good. <laughs> like I, I felt, I felt really excited to, to, you know, jump back and work on stuff because it's solving problems live that people are having right now. And then jumping back to like, okay, how can I boost this even more? Ah, the tweets doing pretty well. Let's throw 50 bucks at the tweet and do a, a promotion. So more people see it. Wow. A lot more people are coming in from that. And then the Reddit post I did on the the uh, ADHD subreddit was exploding. It was, you know, I, I was getting a new, I, I think I it bubbled up to the, the top of that page. And there's several million people, I think, on that subreddit. Uh, and so people started streaming in from that. And then all of a sudden my traffic got cut off. And I was like, what was this? And so I looked at the Reddit post and I got pulled because they don't like uh, when people do self-promotion, I guess. But yeah. I, I got to see like, oh, wow, okay, this is the audience uh, I'm like, I guess this post didn't work because the mods don't like it, but the post that I wrote was doing really well in this audience. So I got to figure out some other way to, to get back on there. But I felt like I, more than any other project I've done in the past, I felt like I was able to inhabit this space of being in this marketing mindset and, and just getting people using the thing and, and thinking a lot more about that. And so now I feel like I have this experience that now I'm thinking for all my other projects, especially with the video clipper, how can I create that same sort of environment for myself where I have just a simplified, stripped down, simple version of the product that I feel like is good enough that I can go out and spend 50% of my time just trying to get more people to use it and, and getting feedback from it. So yeah. that was a really cool experience and it's still working. And I think I have, uh, last I checked, like 160 users. Let me, let me pull that back up. Uh, I have exactly... Uh, oh, that's exactly right. 163 users, 829 nice. messages over the last week. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it feels cool. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll pause there. What are your What are your thoughts on that, boy? Yeah. So I have a question uh, or statement first. One is uh, you're actually not charging for it, so it's just a free service, right? Correct. Yes. So I wonder how much of this feeling of like feeling good putting it out in the world is because it's just free and you're just providing some service to people because yeah. I feel that in me if I have like a blog post or something that I think is actually valuable and it's just totally free I have no problem putting it out in the world yeah uh, when I'm charging money for something that's what I could get like skittish about things yeah which sounds weird but yeah. a, have you felt that at all that's a good insight I hadn't really thought about that I I've had in the back of my mind thinking how could I charge this for this and this is one of the main things I want to talk with you about and I think that feels good what I've struggled with is you know what would feel really bad is if I was um if I was charging for it. Oh, this is an interesting insight. So like it's 
it's broken in subtle ways a few times. Mm. Uh, the most recent one this morning was uh, someone texted in, and because because the cloud function was uh, uh, throwing an error, the webhook from Telegram thought that the thing failed, so it kept trying mm. to send the message like, "Oh, you haven't received the message yet. Let me try to send it to you again." But higher up in the cloud function it came up with a response and sent the response. So what happened was like every two minutes, this person was, Oops. they just sent one message, but every two minutes they were getting a new message. In. And it was wild seeing, seeing uh, ChatGPT sort of like come up with new novel responses after it had responded like, like nine times. And in that moment, I sort of felt like, ah, this kind of sucks. And, and uh, I, I'm trying to fix yeah. it as fast as possible. But, this person's just messaging this bot that they're that they got for free and i think that would feel much worse if they were paying for it sure so that's something to be aware of i think it like mistakes feel uh higher stakes if if someone's paying me money but i don't think the concept of charging someone for it like i, I feel kind of excited about charging for it i just don't know if uh i i can provide enough value for people to want to do that yeah I, I think you hit the nail on the head with what i was trying to say too which is yeah it, i think the stakes are higher when you're charging so like you worry that someone's just gonna be like ah oh, this isn't worth it this right. thing you worked 100 hours on isn't worth two dollars a month right right whatever you know silly thing yeah so yeah okay um what would you charge for this and how how would you structure the pricing uh, there's a there's yeah, a handful so of features that i think people might want to use and I, I set up enough so that like if people are asking for uh being able to to remind them of something it sends them to a page where they can register for an account and it's telling them like oh if you just sign up for a paid account and they can't actually pay me money yet but they can sign up for an account and i haven't looked at that recently but i don't think anyone has actually gone through yeah. with that so i could be more proactive of like letting them know what extra features they could use i could go back through these 163 people and ah someone uh Someone just just sent a new message. That's cool. There you uh, go. Um, yeah, so I have several thoughts. Uh, one is some people might pay for it, but it also seems like a bit of a novelty. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have like three different ways you might charge something for something uh, in order of complexity. Uh, one is, yeah, you just try charging for the thing and maybe make it free. But like, you know, yeah, if you want reminders, that's, you know, a charge. If you want, you know, whatever, you have to sign up for an account. I think the uptake on that will be relatively low. That's my guess, but I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly the easiest thing to do. Um, the next thing would be to try to integrate it into people's lives more. So reminders is one way to do that. But I also thought like, what if you could hook it up to their to-do list, for example, mm -hmm. and every time they check off a to-do list or maybe once a day, you just say, good job getting these four things done. Yeah. Um, so like if there's to-do list software that a lot of people use, you can kind of hook it into that. Or, and then, you know, other hooks as well. So like, I don't know, Slack or even like, you know, Jira or some like task management thing. Mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of different avenues there. The last one, which I think is is probably would be the most successful in the long run, you could charge the most for, but would definitely be the most work is not to sell Attaboy itself. But what you just did is you use ChatGPT to have a prompt and then text people based on input. Um, and then you might build other things around it, like reminders and stuff. Um, a lot of people probably want to do this too. So you could build some kind of no-code uh, AI bot as a service. Um, and people basically tell you the prompt they want or the general type of bot they want mm -hmm. and like how they want to remind people or you know what they want to respond with. So that's a whole other thing you could build that is definitely the most work. But yeah, 
no code chatbot as a service was my last idea. That last one's very interesting. That would be uh, selling shovels in a gold rush, I guess. Um, yes. It's also a lot of work, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because that's something that, that potentially I could sell for like, I don't know, $1,000 right. just for like the, the code. Um, yeah. I'm curious about that one. It's interesting, too. This morning, there was someone who posted uh, an open source telegram bot that that talks to chat mm. and then in that comment thread i posted about attaboy and there were like three other people that posted about something that's like almost exactly the same thing um yeah. i i don't think anyone else is doing it's text yet because uh texts are expensive sending them through twilio yep. it's like a cent for sending or receiving a, a text mm. so uh this like operational costs for this are, are pretty high um and then hooking into a to-do list is really interesting i don't know that i would want to integrate this with an existing to-do list, like like on Todoist or something. Mm. But what I might do is say, if you'd like to manage your to-do list within this chat, mm. then you can. If if you know you you maybe set up in the web interface, you know, I I would like this to ask me every morning in my time zone what the three most important things are for me to get done today, and then you know, remind me in the middle of the day and remind me near the end of the day yeah. uh, and then congratulate me for getting the things done on the to-do list. And then if I, you know, within ChatGPT, I could I could set it up so that um, it knows what the three most important things are for you to do mm. and it's keeping track of them. So if you say something that wasn't on the list, it could say like, ah, good job. It, it would probably just do this out of the box. It, it might say good job, but, uh, you know, have you made progress on the the three things that you wanted to get done? Right. That's a That's a cool idea. Um, okay. Worth, worth further experimentation, especially for how much this is costing me. So, so far for the, uh, uh, 829 messages, it's cost me approximately $41 and 91 cents just in the text messaging yeah. stuff. That's and then the GPT side is, uh, is cheap, but I think the way, well, what I might, what I might experiment with is like, you get a certain number of texts that you can send for free. And mm -hmm. then after you cross that threshold, maybe you get a certain amount per week or something. After you cross that threshold, it shuts down and says you need to upgrade to a paid account or wait, whatever, yeah, thirty six hours for a response. Yeah. Um, the other thing you can do is just like wait two weeks and see if anyone still uses it. Because if people, yeah, 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 I don't know yet if this is sticky. Yeah, like after uh, the both of the ads, I think are shut. Oh, I think the Reddit one's still going, but I think the the Twitter one stopped. Um, I noticed a lot fewer people using it and I don't want to be like paying for ads and paying for text messages for something just to yeah. get new users, but there's no stickiness to it. Yeah. 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 So this is a good pool of users to, to continue testing on, like see what the usage drop off rate is, or if this is just a shiny thing that people wanted to use. I will say there, there have been, I don't know, half a dozen really heavy users that have texted mm. this like 50 times that are having full-blown conversations with it. And uh, some of them are just like heartwarming. And some of them, are, I feel kind of weird reading because uh, like, I don't know if people realize that this is a thing that a human can see. And I'm wondering yeah. now if there's someone at OpenAI that's like reading all the things that I'm posting <laughs> into OpenAI. Um, but I like, this is, it, it feels like, it feels like cheating doing customer research because I like built a bot mm -hmm. to have conversations with customers for me. Um, and I'm getting a ton of insights of like the the sort of things that people are getting value from and uh, the the sort of things they're asking it to do that it doesn't do. So I figured out like, you know, people were asking it, uh, can 
can uh, humans see my text or is this confidential? And it was hallucinating. Your conversations are completely private and encrypted. And that's not true. <laughs> not for me and not with OpenAI. Like, yeah. it, it was just making that up. So then I added a bunch to its prompt saying like, okay, you know, here's here's the link to the privacy policy. Here's what you say if someone uh, uh, asks you about this. And then I set up a test suite where I, I give some prompts of like, someone asking exactly what the person asked and and I kept tweaking the prompt until it uh, gave a, a more truthful answer. And even then I still had it hallucinating afterwards, and, yeah. you know, saying that it had the capacity to, to remind people. That was one of the funniest ones. People kept asking it to remind it uh, of something in the morning. And then the next day they'd be like, Hey, you, you didn't remind me. And it would be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't actually do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, another person would text in and be like, hey, can you remind me in five minutes to do this thing? And, and it would be like, sure can. I'll, I'll let you know in five minutes. And it's like, no, no, you can't. That's not yeah. something you can do. Could you, this is uh, pr- programmer, oh man, this is programmer trap 101, but could you build an AI powered to-do list? Like, you know, text or voice powered to-do list, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. I, I, that's that's a trap. Don't fall into that. It's trap. for sure a trap. Yeah, I think the yeah. I think the correct thing to do with this project is just to let it sit and see yeah. what the stickiness of it is, and like, yeah. Um, I also like this isn't this isn't there's no moat here, right? Like it's it's just right. how many no, yeah. users did I get? And, yeah. uh It's it's a slight thin shell on top of the the yeah. uh, OpenAI it, API. If you really like this. And you were the type of person who wanted to do consulting like this in the future for yeah. other companies. Then the moat is you do 10 of these mm. and write a big blog post about each one. And then after 10, you are the expert about how to do things like make sure ChatGPT responds with the correct privacy policy when yeah, it asks yeah. for privacy, whatever. Yeah. Make sure it doesn't, um, uh, it's not susceptible to prompt hacking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then at that point, you would essentially be one of these prompt engineers that uh, people keep saying you can make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's probably going to go away in a couple of years. Yeah. So, so but if if you want, you have a couple of years, I think, where this could be a pretty good consulting uh, consulting gig. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about the the blog post aspect of it. That's good, huh? Yeah, I could talk about. Uh, I don't even know that I would need to do ten of them. I think I could. Yeah, you could probably do two. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I bought Adagirl.ai also. So yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the second one. Um, yeah, or or maybe the second one is just maybe the second one is just the the AI power to do list. And uh, it's the same backbone. It's just like a, a subtly different prompt. It'd be actually very interesting to take all the programmer trap things. So to-do list is one of the big ones. Yeah. But um, and write AI powered versions of them, and then write blog posts about each one. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. If nothing else, it would be very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. My biggest takeaway from this was just noticing how it felt to do more marketing. Yeah. At several points in this process, I, I had the feeling like, oh, I know how to do marketing. Like, I was able to build a thing that that is getting users and getting people to use it. And that feels really good. I know how to make a Reddit post and I know how to make a tweet that that uh, is pretty popular. It got like a lot of cool. thousands, maybe tens of thousands of uh, of views and interactions and things. And yeah, it felt really cool. I feel like I'm, yeah, I've, I've had like little, little <laughs> footholds of traction of like, Okay, I I kind of know what I'm doing. I know I know at least what I'm supposed to be doing, and uh, I can, in limited context, execute on that. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. uh, talked about the the ChatGPT thing that's been really useful. So the thing that I'd like to be applying this to is the video clipper mm-hmm. of 
Like, what would it take for me to go through this exact same process? Like, what? Why am I not making Reddit posts? Why am I not tweeting more about the video clipper uh, and then you know boosting those tweets? And I'm I'm gonna say how I'm feeling, and I'd I'd like you to, to <laughs> I don't know reality check me or, or push back on it. I right. feel like with Attaboy, it was so easy because it was like a product that I used that I found value in that I felt like was feature complete. It, it doesn't do everything. It doesn't keep track of your to-do list. It doesn't send you reminders. But like people get a lot of value from this. And yes, there are bugs, but like I'm able to use it and, and I get benefit from it. And I feel like the product of the video clipper is not at that point yet. And my evidence is I didn't use it for making this... <laughs> the video that I put in the tweet for for Attaboy. Sure. And what my brain is telling me is like, I need to at least make it good enough that I'm using it. Because if I'm not using it, something's something's wrong in the product. And anything I'm doing to bring more people in is just going to be kind of a waste of time and energy. And what that might look like is a decrease in scope. Maybe I scrap the concept of channels and brands and maybe i just say you know this is just for a single video at a time um maybe i scrap the concept of that you can customize your templates and i just say we have the one template that's the best template to have on tiktok and you can customize the font and that's it for now and if you if you want to do something crazier you can schedule a call with me but the 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 next few steps of the video clipper that uh, i i uh, outlined for myself after going through this experience with attaboy was like I, I I feel like I need to just really strip it down to have a, a, a landing page that I can send people where they're able to get value as quickly as possible from that flow, which is, it's not, it's not necessarily anything different than I've been saying. It's just like uh, focusing in on what would this take to be valuable to me in the same way that Attaboy is valuable to me. What's like the smallest atomic version of this product that, that I would actually find valuable? Um, where like this is a thing that I'm using that is actually better than than any of the other alternatives out there. And I think what that looks like for me right now is I want to be able to land on a site, paste in a YouTube link, and then uh, download a clip that's formatted for TikTok and strip away everything else I was thinking of doing of like trimming it and uh, maybe I automatically suggest uh, uh, clips within it just trying to trying to race to like here is the shortest smallest atomic unit of value that this thing can provide that is useful for me that i'm using and then uh pause there and then market that small atomic thing uh what are your thoughts so i have many sort of fractal thoughts so this might come across a little like brain dumpy uh the first is i forget where we landed who is your target user it, did you is it marketing uh consultants is it what 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 did you arrive at either either marketing consultants or content creators and i think it would be a little easier to go after marketers because i think they may be underserved okay but i think those are the two markets okay so my first thought is uh you keep talking about what would be most useful to you, but you are not a marketing consultant. Yes. And you create some content, but not full-time. Yes. So you you are not the user. Yes. Uh, so go ask your user what they need. 
to be able to pay for it. I think that's, that's the, the same answer. advice I gave last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I fully understand why you want it to be useful to you. It's because you felt that way with Attaboy, but Attaboy is a simple thing that you did that makes zero money and probably won't make money unless you you know change significant things about it. Right. You are on the cusp, I think, of making something very useful with Video Clipper, but you need to talk to actual people who will actually use it and actually pay you money. Okay. Um, so that is my my uh, what tough tough advice, I guess. Yeah. So go talk to people who will actually pay you money okay. and ask them why they aren't using it. Um, it might be that you need to show value very quickly, but my guess is if you went one-on-one with people, then you could show value very slowly as long as you do that over multiple like meetings or calls or something, mm-hmm. and then they would end up paying you. And then once you actually know what people pay for, then you can get to that value very quickly. Yes. It may be they don't care how fast it is to get the first video. Instead, they want to make sure they can do 100 videos very you know, quickly or whatever. Yes. I, I don't know. And, you know, so, yeah. My tough love advice is yeah. go talk to your users. Good. Thank you. I think I just I yeah. think I just need you to keep telling me that. Yeah, because I, yeah. I, I felt like what it felt like to be getting a constant stream of users in for Attaboy, and that felt really good. And so if I and I, I think I have this picture of like that people are coming in and just using the product and not talking to me. No. Because that's it's, easy it's for to- me to do. But yeah, that's a totally not, different audience. That's not what I want to do. I think what I want is a constant stream of phone video meetings where i can yeah and at the price point it could be in early this early it could be with the same person like you sure. want you want a, a phone call with you know someone who's going to use it every single day for the next week right um yeah not 100 different people right over the next week yeah okay okay yeah and there's a handful of people that i i think i could reach out to today to schedule calls this week okay and that's that's an easy thing for me to do good okay thank you i think i'd keep needing to be brought back down to earth it, it was so interesting watching myself do this attaboy project <laughs> like knowing the conversation that we just had that the most important thing for me to do was reach out to yeah. people to talk to him and there was just this resistance there that like and the 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 lengths that i went through to to justify what i was doing and justify like not talking to people it was yeah it's it's scary so there's like two my fractal brain was there's two or three other things I was going to say. One is, yes, the resistance is a perfect word. Go read the War of Art again. Uh, yes. Or don't. Email people first. Then yes. go read the War of Art. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it, basically in that book, uh, he says professionals push through the resistance. It doesn't mean you don't feel the resistance. Yeah. It means you push through the resistance. Yeah. Um, so, so go read that again. The second is, on some level, like, you do want to play to your strengths. So if you feel like really, you know, strongly and positively about attaboy it may mean that that is something to explore but i'll bet as soon as you get over this hump of good excitement you'll hit the exact same resistance for sure um yeah business is never easy i think you can make it easier but it's never gonna feel like this all the time and so what i don't want to do is just constantly jump to new projects that are the shiny new thing and then as soon as it gets hard i stop (laughs) like i don't follow through to to actually growing this as a business and like coming up with a repeatable marketing model um yeah i, I also f- fully say this as someone who quit and went and got a job <laughs> like yeah I, I i did this multiple times started new projects and went and got a job so maybe don't listen to me at all i don't know but i think you're exactly my the person i'll be listening to right like the <laughs> yeah. you, you've you're familiar with the struggle and uh yeah. you 
know what the thoughts are in my head because it sounds like you have the same sorts of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, this is just based on my internalization of like you know uh, Paul Graham and uh, Rob Walling and uh, yeah all these other things I've written. Yeah, it's yeah. good. GPT, yeah. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that's right um, i've started to have that thought now when talking with people like oh you're like a large language model that's been through your own set of experiences and how how cool that we have so many people in the world that uh you can talk to yeah, yeah. if you want to read speaking of paul graham you want to read an essay about that uh the way we know or how we know or something like that mm -hmm. about paul graham he talks about like basically this exact same thing and this was written before large language models were a thing but like we read and ingest information all the time and like the th people we become are the information that we ingest and we may not even remember where we heard something but it, like got turned into some token in our brain and then we spit it out later yep. um, and you can hear this all the time I hear it when people talk about sports and they say almost the exact same thing and it's really what a commenter said about something ah. else uh, the exact same thing happens with you know if you watch a particular left or right leaning news you know yes. thing that you just repeat the tropes um yeah how so funny we're just large language models yeah yeah <laughs> huh i'm curious when ai is getting to the point where like right now it's it's kind of like learning in batches i imagine mm -hmm. the you know open ai is collecting a bunch of data and then retrains on it but i'm curious what a language model might look like that's learning in real time i've there's when, when asking yeah, it's called about like um uh, uh bugs for things that i encounter i'll ask it like here's the error i'm getting how might i fix this and it'll suggest four different things and then i'll i'll realize what it is and it wasn't any of those four things it was like a, a hybrid combination of two of them and i want to be able to tell it like oh for the future it was actually this thing and and you know this is the question to ask someone next time but that's not useful right now i don't think uh so i i haven't been following up with it but i am curious if that would be it, if it if a system exists like that 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 would benefit from that you said that was a zero shot so, so zero shot is one way to do it zero shot means it's learned about a bunch of stuff and then you teach it about something right before you ask it sort of sort of that, that's basically like what it is and you're not really teaching it it's really doing one inference step but it feels like it you're teaching it um but there's lots of different architectures that support what you're talking about one is you can look up on the internet right they're already doing that like the bing chat's already doing that you look it up as you go Another one is sort of the same thing, but you have sort of a repository of recent information that you can pull from. That's basically like the internet, but it's more local. Another, which is kind of more interesting and more what you're talking about, is instead of this giant model, you have a sparse, they call it like network of uh, experts. So you have like mini models inside this giant model. And so you can retrain a mini model super fast. And so you give it a little, of information, little bit of information. It finds the expert in its giant corpus, which it's the expert on that thing. And you retrain it real quick. And then this brain basically is just training bits of the brain at a time. Um, so that's a cool way to do it. Uh, there's some other work as well, but yeah, some combination of some of that will probably happen at some point. Yeah. In the, in the mini brain scenario, yeah, it's the, the higher level model is training the, the smaller model as a one shot model. How does it work? So the higher level model is essentially made up of lots. It might be 10 or it might be a million mini mini small models and they think this is how our brain works so when you hear people say we only use 10 percent of our brain at a time that's not really true but what they mean is the highest activation occurs in just part of our brain at a time okay. so different parts of your brain are used for different things so imagine a giant neural network as a brain made up of these little mini models which you can each train with their own little you know little reward function mm -hmm. and then together when you do inference on the whole thing it like just goes 
through the parts of the brain it needs to. Mm -hmm. This is also used for like how to take a giant language model, for example, and run it on small part, little, uh, like small hardware. Mm. What am I trying to say? <laughs> not, not very good hardware. Yeah. Um, the, the brain inside my large language model is not working very well. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So you don't have to run inference on the entire model. You can just pick the experts that matter and just run through those. Um, so if you're going to retrain the thing, you don't have to retrain the entire brain, just part of it. Oh, time. I see. So the, the cost for retraining it is smaller, so it could be learning more in real time if it's if yeah. each of the models is more segmented. Okay, yeah, exactly. I understand that. Neat. That sure does sound like a brain. That's interesting. And I think that was mm -hmm. the prediction. I've, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts about um, OpenAI and like the, the future of AGI. And it sounds like that sort of model was more of the prediction of what AGI would come from. And now it's looking like, oh man, these, these LLMs, like <laughs> just feeding it more data sure seem like it's becoming more conscious and, and more generally intelligent. Um, yeah, and this is kind of what I was talking about, like an S-curve. LLMs are some, on some S-curve, and maybe it, there's still way a ways to go. And so it might be we reach AGI and we're still on the S-curve, or it might be they top out, you know, at some point in the future before we hit, and then we have to come up with some, you know, other way of handling it. Yeah. Um, wrapping up the video clipper. I just need to market. I just, I'm just going to focus on marketing and it's okay that I don't have a fully functional product. In, in marketing, uh, whenever you say marketing, I think you feel like you need to have a bunch of people coming in. So you have to do like this broad marketing push. Mm. Um, but I would say, especially at the beginning, focus on these small interactions. Yeah. So like Sales. one or try to, yeah, try to have one or two conversations, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Okay, and that's, that feels achievable to, to push forward today. Ah, I just get so caught up in, like, <laughs> coding stuff. Ah, it's a lot easier with ChatGPT because, like, any of these individual problems that I struggle with, I can I can just tell it, like, hey, I need to, uh, you know, what what are some ways that I can talk to marketers today? Here are my resources. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, you, you need a call twice a day from ChatGPT to yeah. be like, yeah. what are you working on? Why aren't you calling people? That's the sort of thing. That's that's what I'm talking about with uh, like integrating this more in my life. I would love if I had yeah. some sort of a daily ritual of like, okay, I you know I paste in what I've decided my uh, weekly goals are, and I say you know here's the current status of things, and uh, also here's my monthly goals and my my yearly goals, and here's what's going on in my life. Uh, tell me what I what you think I should do next. Um, having that sort of system, I think would would be really valuable. There's one more project I wanted to update you on. My automatic editor for Riverside, I have updated to yeah. work with three speakers. And that was Great. much easier to do with this new uh, Remotion editor that I built. So I, I moved off of FFmpeg and now it's just a JavaScript React app and that makes things a lot easier. And uh, it can switch between different angles. It's, it's much simpler than the ultimate one I want to build. It's really only switching between two angles of like, Either it's showing all three people on the screen or it's showing the guest. And it's totally functional and, and more extensible. But I had some inklings of thoughts of like, maybe this is the product. <laughs> maybe maybe this is the thing that I sell people. And I think what you're going to say is uh, talk to customers and like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> get, like, don't don't develop this. Get more of a sense of, uh, you know, who who is your target market? Who are you trying to help? And then maybe if they're saying that the step that they'd like help with is editing the whole video this is something you could do uh but start with the conversation start with the audience building yep okay good thank you i'll happily tell you that without doing it myself okay. so <laughs> uh 
I think that's it. Cool. That's all. That's all I got too. So I'll see you next week. Goodbye.